0: Right at the beginning was it in which we learned the story of Adam salam? Huh? Surah al-Baqarah. Right? So right at the beginning of the Qur'an we learned the story. And now again we read the same story. So what do we see here? That there is a lot of repetition in the Qur'an. Why is there repetition in the Qur'an? Because some people object to this a lot. That the Qur'an just repeats itself too much. Why do you think there is repetition? Yes? Exactly, so we don't forget. It keeps reminding us. We read it in Surah Al Baqarah, the story, but then what happens after some time? We forget it. Right? We forget the lessons that we can learn from it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us a story again. Is there any other benefit in repeating the story? What's that benefit? Yes. Definitely, it emphasizes the importance of the story and you better understand it. Like, for instance, you may have read a certain story as a child. Hmm? And then after some time, you watched a movie based on that story. Alright? Was there a difference? Yes, there was a difference. There may have been parts which you never understood, but when you saw the movie, you better understood. Or sometimes there are many authors that have written the same story. Okay? Like for example, the story about the tortoise and the hare. Right? So, I mean, this story has been written by many authors in different ways. So then what happens? As a child gets exposed to different, different versions, he understands better. So just like that, in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the same story in different ways, because then you learn different lessons from it. And you may have experienced this yourself also, that if you're telling someone about a story, you mention certain details and you leave others. And then you tell the story again another time and you mention different details. So remember that just because a story has been mentioned once in the Qur'an, it doesn't mean that that is sufficient. It's up to Allah. He can decide to narrate it as many times as He wants. Our concern should be, what can we learn from this story, what is the benefit that we can take for ourselves from this narration? So the story of Adam salam over here we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created him, he shaped him, and then what happened? He told the angels to prostrate to Adam. Why aren't we supposed to prostrate only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Huh? Because sajda, think about it, sajda is what? Putting your head on the ground. It's an act of worship. Think about it. Sajda is what? Really making yourself small, really humbling yourself before someone. And who deserves that? Only Allah. So why is it that Allah told the angels, do sajda to Adam? Why? Yes. This was meant to prove to the creation at that time, the high status of Adam salam And it shows to us the humility of the angels, that they had no ego there. They said, Okay, Allah, You're telling us to humble ourselves, to make ourselves small in front of Adam, sure, we'll do it. Because You are telling us, because You are commanding us. Many times it happens with us, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has kept difference in the status of people, in the position of different individuals. So for instance, if there is a person who is of a particular gender, who is performing a certain role in a family, he has been given a higher status compared to the rest of the people of that same family. Take the example of the husband or the father. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him that status. Allah has given him that authority. So what does that mean? That the rest of the people of that household, they have to... Accept that. Not because they have to worship the husband, or that they have to worship the father. No. This is in submission to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But many times we see that women have a lot of problem respecting their husbands. And I have to say, I'm really sorry, but many Muslim women, many practicing sisters, also suffer from this disease, disrespecting the husband not accepting his authority treating him like a child not giving him the respect that he deserves and this my dear sisters is not just disrespect to a fellow human being but in fact this is disobedience to Allah azza so never think it is cool or it is very good to disrespect your husband because many women this is the advice that they give to other sisters control your husband Control your husband. How? By yelling at him. Show him that you have a mouth. Show him that you're very confident. Show him that he has to listen to you. Control him. But this is not how you win somebody's heart. By humiliating them. By not giving them the respect that they deserve. This is the height of ingratitude. Once the Prophet ﷺ, he was passing by a group of young women. And he said to them, Be careful. Be careful, meaning don't be of those who are ungrateful despite having blessings. So one of the women, she was confident, so she went up to the Prophet and she said, What do you mean? We don't understand. So he said that one of you sits in the house of your parents for so long. And then Allah blesses her with a husband. And then what happens? One day that poor guy does something to displease you and you say, I have never seen anything good from you. I have never seen anything good from you. Whereas she knows that she cannot be independent of that husband. She is in need of that husband. Even if it's not financial, it's emotional fulfillment. Right? Think about it. Many women, they sit for years and years. In the house of their parents. Even if it's just 18 years or 20 years or 25 years, she feels incomplete until she has a husband. Allah gives her a husband, and then what does she do? She shows disrespect to him. She's ungrateful to Allah for the blessing of the husband. She doesn't honor him. And what is it that prevents her? It's her pride, it's her ego. It's her ego. And it's not just wives who are disrespectful to their husbands. It's also many times children who are disrespectful to their parents. So we see over here that the angels, they accepted immediately. Allah is commanding us to prostrate to Adam. Sure, we'll do it immediately. They didn't hesitate in obeying Allah. And this is something that we need to remember always, whenever we're dealing with people. Don't look at the person who's in front of you. Think about the fact that Allah has commanded me. Allah has placed them above me. Allah has given them honor over me. Allah has told me to listen to them, to obey them. And if I disobey them, if I disrespect them, in reality, I'm rebelling against who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how? How can we have the mercy of Allah in our lives? How is it that on the one hand we are being so righteous and pious and on the other hand we are being disrespectful to the people who live in our own house, who have rights over us. So I remind all of you sisters and myself that when it comes to dealing with people, those people who have been given authority over us, we must respect them. And this is in reality obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Iblis on the other hand, what did he do? He said, no way, I'm not prostrating. And he presented an excuse. He justified his disobedience by saying what? That I am better than him. And many times, we may also feel like that. I have a master's degree and my husband is only... I'm not talking about myself, okay? But that many women, they may say this, that I have a master's degree and my husband has barely graduated. You know, he only has his undergrad degree. I work and I make more money than my husband. A woman may think like that. I am smarter. I am more intelligent. My parents are rich. Hmm? My parents are more rich. I have more money than he does. Because I got my mahar and I got gold and I got this and I got that and my husband, he doesn't have much. I am better than him. Therefore, he should be respecting me. He should be accepting my authority. Not I should be accepting his authority. Many times shaitan puts the same kind of thoughts in our minds. Likewise, children think about their parents. My mom knows nothing. You know, she came from Pakistan. She came from Somalia. She came from such and such country. And this is Canada. She has no idea. Since we've come in this country, she's been in the house. She doesn't know the outside world. She doesn't even know what music is. She doesn't even know who pop stars are. She doesn't even know what fashion is. Hmm? This is what we think. We are better than our parents. Therefore, they listen to us. And we don't need to listen to them. But this is incorrect. This is incorrect. Fine, it's possible that you know more than your parents in certain things. How to operate a phone. Hmm? How to use a computer. Okay, you may know about these things. But again, your parents know many things that you don't know. That you don't know at all. kulli bi ilmin alim. Above everyone who has knowledge is one who knows more is the most knowledgeable one, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no one's knowledge is complete anyway, except for that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you might see this difference between people, and based on that, you might think that you are better than someone, but that is where you need to lower yourself. You need to humble yourself. You need to humble yourself. Many times it happens that women, when they get married, and they see... You know, that husband whom they thought so highly of, that, oh, I've heard that he has a long beard, and he goes to the masjid, and after getting married, you find out, oh, he doesn't pray sunnah, and he doesn't go to the masjid every day, and yes, he has a beard, but he doesn't roll up his pants, and you're like, you know what? He's nothing. I don't give him that. He's not that great anymore. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. But this is not right. Even if you're not impressed by him, still he is your husband, and you have to respect him. You cannot say أنا خير minhu. You must respect him. And when you will respect him and you will lower yourself, then Allah will grant honor to you. Because in hadith, what do we learn? Mantawada alillahi, rafahullah. Whoever lowers himself for Allah, Allah will elevate him. Because sometimes it's very difficult when you know that your dad doesn't have any idea about the phone that he's talking about, right? And you know, and he's going on and on, and you're like, "Dad, what are you saying?" But at that time, hmm, you know, smiling and acknowledging and telling them nicely, humbling yourself over there. Or just behaving like, or just being, you know, like a completely ignorant person in front of them, as if you're learning from them, and you know that what they're saying is wrong, but still humbling yourself over there, that is what will bring you honor, Mantawada alillahi rafaa Allah, because those people who become arrogant, they are not close to Allah, they can never draw near to Allah, because what happened to Iblis when he presented this logic that I am better than him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, qala He said, فَهْبِطْ مِنْهَا Then get down from here. Get down from here. فَهْبِطْ habata Is to get down from above. So someone is high up and he comes down. So فَهْبِطْ مِنْهَا Get down from here. فَمَا So not, yakunu. It is, meaning it is not allowed. لَكَ for you and that تَتَكَبَّرَ You become arrogant. Fiha In it. Where? In Jannah or wherever this conversation was taking place. Basically, in the presence of Allah. That you have no right to be arrogant over here. So get away from here. Get down from here. There's no room for the arrogant near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Arrogant people are not welcome. Are not welcome in the presence of Allah azza wa It is only the humble it is only the humble who draw near to Allah. فَخْرُجْ So get out. إِنَّكَ Indeed you men from الصَاغِرِينَ Those who are debased. Those who are made small. صَاغِرِينَ Plural of صَاغِر from صَغْر صَادْ غَيْنْ ر. And what does that mean to be small? So you are those who are small. You are of those who are debased, who are humiliated. And this is a reality. Someone who tries to be greater than they actually are, they become puffed up with pride and arrogance. What happens? They're humiliated. They are disgraced in front of others. They die the most miserable deaths. Look at the people of the past. People who were proud and arrogant. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala humiliated them. In a hadith we learn, the Prophet Wasallam said, he shall not enter paradise. He shall not... Enter paradise. Who? The one who has even an atom's weight of arrogance in his heart. A person said, I like to wear nice clothes and shoes. Meaning, is that pride? That I like to beautify myself, I like to look good in front of people. Is that pride? The Prophet ﷺ said, No, Allah is beautiful and He loves beauty. Arrogance is batarul haqq wa ghamtu What is arrogance? Denying the truth. That the truth is clear. The haqq is clear. But yet a person refuses to accept it. It is clear to him that this person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him authority over me. This person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed him above me. He deserves this and this right. But still a person refuses to accept it. I cannot respect my husband. I cannot accept what he says to me. I cannot listen to my mom. I don't like my dad. This is what? Batarul haqq. Wa nas. Ghamtun nas. Belittling others. Making others inferior. Treating them like they're nothing. Talking to a 30 year old man as if he was a 2 year old kid. Insulting him in public. Yelling at him as if he was a child. This is what? Making others inferior. And this is something that does not befit any Muslima. It does not befit any Muslimah. I don't care what degree you have. I don't care what knowledge of the book of Allah you have. It doesn't befit a Muslimah. That she treats others as inferior, as if they're nothing. nas. It is a quality of Allah's servants that they are humble. In Surah Al-Furqan, Ayah 63, we learn, wa Rahman the servants of the Most Merciful are those who walk on the earth with humility. Meaning their gait, their walking also expresses humility. Their walking also expresses humility. So we really need to reflect on ourselves that when we're talking to people, when we're upset with them, how are we talking to them? How are we you know, conversing with them? How are we treating them? He said, meaning Shaitan he said, فَأَنظِرْنِي So give me respite from Ra, أَنظَرَ ينظر إِنظَر is to give time, to defer the matter of someone, to delay. So give me respite إِلَى يومي يُبْعَثُونَ إِلَى to يومي دَي يُبْعَثُونَ They will be resurrected. Meaning, let me live until mankind will be resurrected. In other words, Don't cause me to die until the Day of Judgment. And who's saying that? Iblis. Because every creature, obviously angels, their matter is different, but when it comes to human beings and jinn, hmm, what happens to them? They are here on this earth for a short amount of time, for their lifetime only. They die natural deaths in this dunya, and then eventually on the Day of Judgment, they will be resurrected. But Iblis took permission from Allah he asked Allah, meaning he requested Allah that let me live until the day of judgment. So what happened? qala he said, Innaka you min from al Munzareen, those who were given respite. And this is why Iblis he has not died until now. He is alive today as well, and he will continue to live until the day of judgment. And this is not just permission to live. But it is also he asked for freedom to do what he wanted to do. Because it happens in this world that if a person does wrong, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can punish him even in this dunya. Isn't that so? And it happens with many people that they are punished in this world even before the hereafter, even before they die. But Iblis asked that give me respite, meaning defer my punishment until the day of judgment. So let me do whatever I want Don't let me die, let me live, and let me do whatever I want until the Day of Judgment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him permission. He said, fine. Why did he ask for this allowance, Iblis? So that he could take revenge from Adam. Was it Adam's fault? No. It wasn't Adam's fault that shaitan ended up in this. Whose fault was it then? Allah's fault? No. Whose fault was it? It was his fault himself, Iblis. It was his fault. Allah gave him a command, he refused to obey, he brought himself in the mess that he ended up in. Qala, he said, فَبِمَا So, because of what? أَغْوَيْتَنِي, you misled me. You put me in error. Who's saying this? Iblis is saying this to Allah. That, oh Allah, because you put me in error, you misled me. لَأَقْعُدَنَّا Surely, I will definitely sit. From the root letters, قَافْ عَيْن دَالَ قَعْدَةً to sit down. So I will definitely sit lahum for them. For who? For the children of Adam. صِرَاطَكَ Where will I sit? On your path. Which path? Mustaqeem The straight. Meaning the straight path that leads to you, O Allah. The children of Adam, when they will be on that straight path trying to reach you, meaning your pleasure, then what will I do? I will sit on that path trying to mislead them. There's two things that we see over here. That Iblis is basically very angry with Adam a.s. And he is blaming Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For what? For his error. Notice the word aghwaytani. Aghwaytani is from irwa. Ghain, waw, ya. Ighwa is to mislead someone. Okay, To mislead someone. And Iblis is saying over here to Allah that you misled me. How? That you ordered me to prostrate to Adam. And when I refused to prostrate to Adam, what happened? You became angry with me. And as a result, I am in this mess now. As a result, my life is ruined. As a result, forever, I am going to be of those who suffer loss. Look at the logic. Hmm? You ordered me and I refused and you became upset with me. Well, whose fault is that? Your fault. You should have listened. Right? But many times it happens that we present the same you know, logic or we blame Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we became our circumstances. We blame our circumstances instead of ourselves. So for example, if we became very angry at a certain occasion, What do we say? So and so was making me so upset and she was doing this and he was saying that and I just lost it. So it's not my fault. It's the whole world's fault. It's their fault. It's not my fault. She made me upset. She made me lose my patience. She made me angry. It's their fault, not my fault. No, it is your fault because you chose to be angry. You could have kept quiet. You could have walked away. You could have responded in a better way. You could have just avoided that situation. But you chose to behave like that. So it is your fault. It's not anybody else's fault. But think about it. Don't we present this excuse most of the time? Isn't it? When we become impatient, when we yell at someone, even when we fail an exam, what do we do? We say, oh my friends, they were distracting me. My family, there was you know, a wedding. There was a party. And so there was so much going on, I just didn't get to study. I just couldn't do an assignment. We present excuses. But in reality, whose fault is it? It's our fault. We, it's our fault. We blame circumstances and we blame people. And that is what shaitan did. He blamed Allah. You misled me. And he was very angry at Adam. That because of you, I am in this mess. But it wasn't Adam's fault. It wasn't Adam's fault. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who ordered him. Now, person might say, why did Allah give him such a difficult command? It wasn't difficult. If the angels who were better than Iblis, if they could prostrate to Adam, then what does it mean? Iblis could also prostrate to Adam. Right? Just like that, in our lives we think that doing a certain thing is very, very difficult. So for example, some women say, I cannot treat my husband nicely at all. I just cannot you know, speak to him in a humble manner, in a nice manner. I just can't do it. It's just not in me. No. You have to bring it in you. Because if other women could do it, you can do it too. Right? Just like that we say, I can never forgive this person. I can never forgive them. I can never get over what they said to me, what they did to me. No, you actually can. Why? Because if others can do it, you can do it too. Whenever a deed seems too difficult to do, always tell yourself, if others can do it, I can also do it. And there is nothing impossible in this dunya. Nothing impossible. If you have the will, you have the determination, and you seek Allah's help. Everything you can manage to do. If somebody is trying to make you mad, they keep saying nasty things to you, you just ignore them and walk away. You just don't pay attention to what they're saying. They keep following you, go tell your teacher, or go tell your mom. Seek somebody's help. Yes, you should do that because many times it happens that people will not leave you until they get something out of your mouth. They get something out of your mouth. They're just, you know, prompting you to react in some way, but you just ignore them and they will fizzle down. Typically, what do we do? Somebody says a small statement to us and we answer back in a much worse way. Right? They said one no to us and we start yelling at them. We start yelling at them. There's a a movie about this baseball player, Jackie Robinson. Hmm? You know what I'm talking about, right? The kind of racist remarks that he receives. He's in the field to play ball. And what happens? He's told no black people, and not black people, no niggers allowed here. And he is humiliated, insulted in public. Nobody stands up for him until very late. But watching those scenes reminded me of what the prophets went through. And what Allah means when He tells us to be patient and when He tells us to control ourselves. Because when you are controlling yourself, when you are controlling yourself, really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will elevate you in the eyes of others. He will raise you. But at that time, you need to humble yourself. You need to lower yourself. You need to control that urge to answer back, to react negatively. It's very difficult. But it's the greatest victory that you can have. We think victory is yelling at someone. We think victory is answering back. But what did the Prophet wasallam say? Who is the strong one? Who is the strong one? The one who can control himself the one who can control himself, the one who can be victorious over himself. That is strength. So,
1: you know, when you answer back and you talk angrily, then you're satisfied for that second or that minute. And then you spend your whole day in regret. Mm -hmm. Like for that one minute where I was satisfied and I got out everything I had to say, I'm spending the whole day miserable and now I'm feeling guilty. Yes. Right? Yeah,
0: you feel guilty about it. And then what happens is that people will react even more to you. And then you have to deal with that. I'm not sure if this is like an authentic hadith, but um, might be that there will be more women in the hellfire because they were ungrateful to yes, their husbands. Because of their ingratitude towards their husbands. Prophet ﷺ warned the women. Because this ingratitude is very common. So, Iblis blamed Allah. You misled me, you gave me this command, I couldn't obey, I didn't want to obey, and then you became upset with me. It wasn't my fault, your fault. And I'm very angry with Adam, so I'm going to take revenge from him, and not just him, but all of his progeny, all of his children. Because Allah created Adam and his children for whose worship? For his own worship, right? وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ But what did shaytan say? I'm gonna sit on your right path and I'm not gonna let them worship you. I'm not going to let them fulfill the purpose of their lives. ثُمَّ دَنْ لَآتِيَنَّهُمْ Surely I will definitely come to them. Min from Baini أَيْدِيهِمْ Before them, in front of them. Meaning I will come to the children of Adam from before them. Why? In order to lead them astray. That a person is walking on the right path, he's doing the right things, and what will shaitan do? He will come from from the front. How? That he will create hurdles for him, difficulties for him. He will instill in him fears of the future, that oh, what if so and so says this? What if such and such happens? And then he beautifies the dunya for him. He distracts him by showing things in front of him. So as a result, a person forgets what he was doing. And he starts chasing the world. Does it ever happen? Many times. That you're doing something good, and everything's fine, and then all of a sudden you realize you're just wasting your time. You're reading something very beneficial on the internet, and what happens? Right in the front, there's a pop-up. Right? And then what happens? There's a link on that, or there's an advertisement on that, and then you click it, and then from there, you just end up wasting an hour of your life. min بَيْنِ <أَيْدِيهِم> A person is doing something really good, shaitan distracts him, he beautifies the world for him. مِنْ him. أَيْدِيهِمْ khalfi him, <خَلْفِهِم> And from behind them, I will come to them from behind them as well. How? That I will literally push them into committing sin. Like if somebody is coming from behind you, just imagine somebody is pushing you, you're reluctant, you're hesitant, but they keep pushing you, keep pushing you, do it, do it, go there, go there. And just think of any fight or argument that you have. That you are trying to control yourself, you're trying to take a step back, you're trying to get out of that situation, you're trying to finish that argument. And what happens? It's like as though somebody's literally pushing you, pushing you. Say one word, just say this, just say this, just say this. And what happens? Eventually, you say it. Woman Khalfi him. He doesn't leave you until he pushes you into sin. Wan Aymani him. And from their right side, Ayman plural of Yameen. From the right side, I will come to them. Meaning, I will mislead them from their right side. What's on your right side? An angel that is recording your good deeds. So, in other words, from the side of their good deeds. So, for example, a person does something good and shaitan just magnifies it for him. And a person thinks, yeah, I'm really good. I'm doing enough. So I don't need to do any more. So for instance, just because a person is studying the Quran every day or every other day or two days a week, Shaitan tells them, Yeah yeah, you don't need to recite the Quran every day. MashaAllah, you're a student of the Quran. You don't need to spend half an hour every day reciting the book of Allah. What's the big deal? You already know the meaning. Does it ever happen? Whenever you think about opening the Quran to recite, like, Alhamdulillah, I know the Qur'an. I know the meaning of the Quran. I don't need to recite. That is for those people who don't even know the meaning of the Qur'an. They need to recite. Yes, that a person is doing something good and shaitan distracts him. Why don't you do this as well? And why did not you do that as well? And why did not you do this good deed as well? And at the end, a person has nothing done. Right? Why? Because there's a whole plan, but no reality to it. So for instance, a person is studying a class you know, on a weekly basis, something consistent, something small but consistent. And what happens? Shaitan distracts them saying, Why don't you attend this weekend class? It's only one weekend. And why don't you you know go to this halqa? It's only once, only one weekend. And then there goes one lesson and there goes one test and there goes one assignment and then a person thinks, I'm so behind, I can never catch up. Hmm? So an aimani him. Many times Shaitan he makes a person do good deed and then show off and waste that good deed. So for instance, there's an opportunity to give charity. There is a fundraiser. Hmm? Yeah, I'll give a hundred dollars. Yeah, I'll give twenty dollars. How much? Twenty. Wow. Wow, this person's giving twenty. Yeah, I'm so righteous. You know, Shaitan gives that feeling of pride in your heart that I'm so great. I'm aimanihim. And then not just that, waan shama'ilihim. And from their left sides, Shama'il. This is left. What is that? That from the matter of sins, meaning for, with regards to sins. How? That he belittles sins for us. So we think, yeah, it's only a small white lie. What's the big deal? I'm just yelling at this person once. What's the harm? What's the big deal if I disrespect my husband just this one time? Well, you know, I'm a human being as well and I have feelings as well and I get upset as well. عَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ غِيبَة Backbiting about someone. You know, I need to vent as well. I have feelings too. Otherwise, I'm going to have an emotional breakdown. عَنْ Elihim The matter of sins. Belittling sins. But what do we learn from hadith? That small sins are like what? That a group of people collecting little pieces of wood. And what happens? That when they are collected, and then they're burned together, it's a huge fire. So just like that. One sin here, one sin there, one sin there. And together they're enough to destroy a person.
2: Um, sometimes people they see their sins as so many
0: sins that they're like, Oh, I'm destined for hell, so might as well continue sinning. Yes. That's also a way that shaitan makes a person hopeless, feel hopeless, that I don't have any hope, so I'm definitely going to hellfire. Let me just enjoy the few days that I have in this world and do whatever I want. Because you only live once. Hmm? And he said, Wala tajidu. And you shall not find. Iblis is saying this to Allah. Oh Allah, you will not find. أَكْثَرَهُمْ Most of them, shakirin, Ones who are grateful. Meaning you will find that most of the people are not grateful. You will find that most of mankind is what? Ungrateful. Is this true? Yes. So ingratitude comes from who? Shaytan. It's his greatest weapon against us. Because a person could be, you know, a great devout worshiper. Okay? He worships Allah, prays Salah, reads the Quran. But in their heart, they are ungrateful to their husband. They're ungrateful to their parents. Ungrateful to Allah for the favors that He has bestowed on them. So because of this ingratitude, what happens? Their good deeds are also being wasted. Because ingratitude is a kind of kufr. Because in the Qur'an, the word kufr has been used in contrast with shukr. If shukr means gratitude, then kufr would mean what? Ingratitude. And the height of ingratitude is what? Disbelief. So, وَلَا تَجِدُ أَكْثَرَهُمْ شَاكِرِينَ You will not find most of them grateful. Meaning majority of the children of Adam will be ungrateful people. And this means that only few people are grateful. In Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 65, Allah says, إِنَّ عِبَادِي لَيْسَ لَكَ عَلَيْهِمْ سُلْطَانَ That my servants, there is no authority for you over them. Meaning you will not be able to mislead them. So in other words, there are some servants of Allah who remember to be grateful always. Who remember to be thankful in whatever situation they are in. Thankful. And this is something that we need to reflect on we discussed this yesterday as well that if we start listing the blessings that allah has given us we could never ever finish that but we start listing complaints all the time we start thinking about what we don't have or what is wrong so wala tajidu aktharuhum shakirin you will not find most of them to be grateful so are you grateful are you thankful for what What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? Yes. Okay. For the blessing of Islam, for the blessing of Iman. Is that really a blessing? Really? What's the big deal? I mean, there are other people who don't have this and they're fine. They're successful, they're happy, they have great family life, they go on vacation, they make money, you see them smiling. So what's the big deal? Yes.
3: We're saying like, MashaAllah, Inshallah, bi Idnillah, and all that kind of stuff. Like showing that we are actually dependent upon Allah for every little thing.
0: Yes. That we depend on Allah so much, but yet we take His blessings for granted. So how is Iman a blessing? My question. How is Iman a blessing?
2: Well, Iman is a blessing because um, you're getting life and... And you're learning about the Qur'an, and you're praying, and you're making du'a to Allah, that to take me to Jannah. Yes,
0: because Iman is what will take you to Jannah. Remember the hadith of the Bitaqa that I told you yesterday? That a person will have 99 scrolls full of sins. And how long are those scrolls? As far as the sight can reach, right to left. Imagine. And so heavy on the scale, and on one card, La Ilaha Illallah is written, and because of that, he will enter Jannah. So, isn't this a blessing? It's a huge blessing. I'm
2: also thankful for like to having a life that Allah gave me, and having such beautiful parents and yes. Having siblings. Yes. Yes. These ha- are all
0: blessings that we need to be grateful and for. And
2: having school to get more knowledge.
0: But shaitan makes us think. My mom is so annoying. Right. My sister, she's so greedy. My brother, he's so nosy. Right, And my younger sister, she just screams too much. And my older brother, he just has a problem with me. Right, This is what shaitan makes us think. I'm not saying that these problems are non-existent. These problems are real. I mean, if you're not getting along with someone, we're not ignoring that fact. They are real. But you know what? We should not focus on that problem only. The problem is that we focus on what is not perfect, and we forget about everything else that is right. Isn't it so? So for example, if there's a problem with your computer, every time you see your older brother, you'll be like, can you just fix that in my computer? Can you just fix this thing? Can you just fix that thing? Every time you see him, you tell him about the problems that you're having with your computer. And when your computer working perfectly fine, you don't mention anything. You don't mention anything. Not even a thank you for fixing your computer for you yes earlier this year in september the social justice club at our school attended we day and i remember um there was a girl that came from kenya and she came to canada four years ago and she came on a scholarship to ryerson university and she was studying there And I remember she was saying how sad she was when she came to Canada, not because she missed like her family and stuff, because of the ingratitude she saw in the people that lived here. Like she remember some of the friends she made, like there were some girls complaining, oh my goodness, I have to drive all the way over here today. And she's thinking, oh my goodness, you have a car, you have money to pay for gas and people complaining about their families. And she's just thinking like most of the people she knows back home, they don't even have parents because they've all been killed. And... Like, you, they're complaining, I have to go home and make dinner. Like, you know you have food waiting for you at home. And she remembers she was so sad and she came and she just wanted to go back home. Yes. These are our first world problems. Hmm? What? That I ate too much, so I need a tea or I need something to fix that feeling of heaviness and sickness. These are our first world issues. Right? And we tweet about it. We Facebook about it. And we complain to the entire world about it.
1: One of the biggest blessings that at least I know I take for granted is our health, you know, because it's something that, you know, we feel entitled to. We were born healthy, we should live a healthy life, and we take it so for granted because every day I wake up and I don't even think twice about, you know, Alhamdulillah, I woke up feeling perfect today, and last week I felt really, really sick. I had this miserable ear infection And I didn't get one for three years. And I didn't think of the three years where I didn't have it, but it crippled me. I was in bed sobbing with so much pain, and I felt so guilty at the same time that how ungrateful am I? Like, I'm not thinking of the three years where I was perfect without this ear infection. I was thinking of this one weekend where I felt so bad, and I felt so ungrateful, so sad of how of what a, you know, bad servant I am to Allah because, you know, I never once thought of, you know what, alhamdulillah, I had three good healthy years with my past previous ear infection. So that's one of the biggest blessings that I feel I take for granted. Yes.
0: This is why whenever a believer suffers from any calamity, big or small, any kind of difficulty, what should he say? Inna lillahi. We belong to Allah. So when we belong to Him, we accept whatever He decides for us. Alhamdulillah in good times, and Alhamdulillah ala kulli in difficult times, because Allah deserves praise and gratitude no matter what situation we're in. Because even if fifty things are wrong in our lives, there will be at least one thing or the other that is still right. And if we start looking at different things in our lives with this perspective, really we would be happier people and we wouldn't complain that much. And we wouldn't have that many problems because our problems, they get worse because of our ingratitude. So for example, a husband, imagine, think about it, he's working five days a week, sometimes over time, why? In order to bring good amount of money home. And when he comes home, the wife complains, you didn't vacuum yesterday. And, you know, I'm really tired and you don't understand what I go through. And these kids drive me crazy and you forgot to vacuum and you put your clothes outside the laundry bin. How dare you do that? Don't you have any respect for the many hours I spent cleaning the house and maintaining the house? Yes. Yes. He has those deficiencies. But think about the fact that he is working so many hours to bring you money to take you where you want to go, to buy you clothes that you want to wear, to put jewelry on you. He's working at a place which doesn't have windows, that doesn't have fresh air. But we forget about those things and we think about the problems. We focus on those problems, we fight over them, we argue over them, and as a result we make our lives miserable. Always focus on the positive. This is a tool of shaitan. He will make you ungrateful because when you're ungrateful, then everything will get ruined in your life. Everything will be nasty in your life.
3: Go ahead. Assalamu Alaikum. Um, I know a, a lady who was perfectly healthy like us and uh, all of a sudden she got um, a mouth cancer and um, now when I look at her, every single time I look at her because I've seen her, she can talk normally like us before but now she can't even the fact that we don't even realize the saliva that comes in our mouth without even realizing we you know swallow it in every single second of her life she has to swallow it in. she has to make sure because it will come out and one time someone was telling me that she was taking more time in break because she cannot chew her food like us she needs 45 minutes to have a meal and we can, alhamdulillah, eat sometimes in five minutes. Yes. So the dua that I read every time when I look at someone in difficulty, and that we should all read as well, I'm sure many of you read, Alhamdulillah, It gives you such peace in your heart that inshallah, you know, Allah subhanahu ta'ala will not test you that way, and may Allah make it easy for them as well. Amen. Yes, sister. Gratitude
0: uh, has become uh, very uh, important to so many people and so many
3: psychologists use gratitude journal for the people who have a depression and things like that. So when they see all the blessings they have, then it became a way to heal people. Yes,
0: because shaitan, he makes us forget everything that's going right. And then we focus on the problems and as a result, they become aggravated for us. Think about it. Your whole body is working perfectly fine. You have pain in your joint, for example. And you're just sitting with that all day. Just sitting with that all day. My joint is hurting. My finger is hurting. My finger is hurting. You'll forget about everything. You can't do anything. You don't think about it that all the rest of your body, the many, many joints that you have, they're not hurting. Only one is hurting. But you'll focus on that and it will consume you.
3: Yes. I'm sometimes amazed when I look at my parents because they have a lot of like dhikr of Allah that they say out loud. Like when they'd be in the car, they'd constantly be saying, Allah, ilaha, illallah, Allah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah. And I think like, what's the point? Like we usually do it in our hearts or after our prayers, but they're doing it all, all the time, like at home, in the car, outside,
0: Right. And I think like that's gratitude when they're doing it all the time and they're doing it with their tongue and when they say it you hear it and you also praise Allah. Yes. I think this is sort of applicable to us because when, for example, when we feel we've done so many sins, the hope fuels us to try to fix ourselves and mend ourselves. And on the other hand, when we feel that we're doing so much good and we feel proud and
1: arrogant, the fear of Allah limits it so that we don't feel that arrogant. So that somehow balances us. Yes,
0: hope and fear. Hmm? So in this ayah, what do we see? That Shailfan, he comes to us in order to lead us astray, in order to make us sin, in order to make us disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from in front of us, from behind us, from our right, from our left. And if he fails in any of these attempts, what he tries to do is to at least make a person ungrateful. That's his tactic. And it happens with many people that from their front, from their behind, from the right, left, they are protected. Meaning shaitan doesn't get the better of them. But shaitan makes them feel ungrateful. And as a result, they make so many mistakes. Right, And notice over here that he said front, back, right, left. Ibn Abbas said, however, he cannot come upon them from above. Hmm? Why? Because then he will come between the servant and the mercy of Allah. So Shaitan cannot come from above. So whenever you feel trapped because of your sins, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. You think about your khalf, your past. You think about your future plans. You think about the little good that you've done. You think about the many sins that you've committed. And you're like, I'm just trapped by shaitan. Then what do you need to do? Raise up your hands, lift up your hands. Because shaitan cannot attack you from above. He can never come between you and your Lord. No matter what sin you've done, no matter what, you know, error you've made, you can always, always lift up your hands and beg for Allah's mercy. And because of that mercy, inshallah, you'll be fine. The Prophet sallallahu every morning and every evening, he used to make this dua. Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afiyata fiddunya dunya wal-akhirah. O Allah, I ask you for well-being in this life and in the hereafter. Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afwa wal afiyah O Allah, I ask you for forgiveness and well-being. Fi dini wa dunyaya wa ahli wa mali. In my religion, my life, my family and wealth. Allahumma stur awrati wa amir O Allah, cover my errors and comfort my fears, meaning the fears that I have, the anxiety that I have, comfort it. Allahummahfazni min bayni yadayya, wa min khalfi, wa an yamini, wa an shimali, wa min fawqi Wa a'uudh an O Allah, protect me from before me and from behind me, from my right and from my left and from above me. And I seek refuge with your greatness from being killed from below me. Meaning you protect me against shaitan. That shaitan doesn't ever get the better of me. Imagine the Prophet ﷺ made this dua morning and evening. So shaitan, he promised this, that I am definitely going to lead people astray in these different ways. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, qala he said, ukhruj minha, get out from here. Fine, you have this permission, you have this freedom. But you are not welcome in the presence of Allah anymore. So get out from here. Madhumah, madhura reproached and expelled. Madhum from the root letters dal, hamza, mim. Zham. is aib, a fault of someone, deficiency that they have. So madhum, one who is reproached for his faults, one who has aib and he is reproached for it, meaning he's made to feel bad about it. So for example, if someone has made a mistake, he's done something wrong and they are forgiven, okay? their shortcomings are outlooked, then they have been treated with mercy. But if someone is reproached for their deficiency, for the wrong that they have done, for their shortcomings, then they are what? Madhum. So you are madhum. You are degraded, disgraced, despised because of your? Evil. And you are madhur, dalha, ra, which is to repel. So you are madhur, meaning repelled, expelled, removed far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. And Allah said, laman, surely whoever, tabi'aka, He followed you, meaning whoever follows you, minhum from them, from the children of Adam, then what will happen? Will Allah suffer any loss? No. Because even if 999 people out of every thousand follow shaitan, and become his servants, it doesn't harm Allah at all. Because La Anna Jahannam La Surely I will definitely fill up. This is from the root letters lam Hamza. Mil What does milk mean? The fill of something. Mil Al the fill of the earth. Mala are the leaders because they fill the hearts of people with awe. So, Laamla Anna, surely I will definitely fill up Jahannam hellfire, minkum from you, All together It doesn't matter, even if you lead so many of mankind astray, Allah can throw every single one of them in hellfire. It doesn't harm Allah at all. Because it is as though Shaitan is threatening Allah, right? He's taking revenge. But it doesn't harm Allah at all. And this teaches us a very, very important lesson. That anyone who tries to oppose Allah, he can never harm Allah. Who will he harm? Himself. Because Allah, He is Al-Hameed. Who is Hamid? The one who is praiseworthy ever and always. Whether someone praises Him or not, He deserves praise because of His perfection. So even if the whole of mankind become like the most wicked and disobedient servant of Allah, it doesn't harm Allah at all. He will not suffer any loss whatsoever. Who will suffer loss? The disobedient servants. They will suffer loss. So if I do good, I do good to myself. I do it for my own good. And if I sin, I'm not gonna ever harm Allah. I'm only going to harm myself. Allah doesn't benefit from our worship, He doesn't suffer any harm because of our disobedience. Because the fact is that we need Allah and Allah doesn't need anyone. We are dependent on Him and He is independent of us. So He said, لَأَمْ لَأَنَّ جَهَنَّمَ مِنْكُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ Recitation.
2: قال فبما اغويتني لاقعدن لهم صراطك المستقيم ثم لاتينهم من بين ايديهم ومن خلفهم وعن ايمانهم وعن شمائلهم ولا تجد أكثرهم شاكرين. قال خرج منها مذو ممدحورا لمن تبعك منهم لأم جهنم منكم أجمعين. So how do we fight شيطان? By being grateful.
0: That is where it begins from. Because when you're grateful to Allah, to the people who are around you, then you are positive, then you are hopeful, then you are motivated to obey. It really changes you. Gratitude completely changes you. So the way to fight shaitan, the way to have victory over him is to be grateful always. To Allah and to the people who are around us. So let's start it right now. Take out a piece of paper. Take out a piece of paper and write your name on it. Show me your piece of paper. Everybody. It shouldn't be a letter size paper, okay? Fold it. If it's too big, then fold it. And lift it up so that I can see it. People from the right side, Okay, so everybody, lift up your paper. I want to see it. Everyone. Don't put it down yet. Until I tell you. Everyone. Okay. Write your name on it. And write the date. And then write one thing that you are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for today. What are you grateful to Allah for? One thing. And mean it from your heart. Don't just write something for the sake of writing it. So I don't want cliche you know, answers. I'm grateful for being a Muslim. I'm grateful for the blessing of Qur'an. Yes, they are definitely blessings. But I don't want you to write them just because that's something you're supposed to be grateful for. Done? Lift it up, if you're done. Good. Okay. Those who've lifted up GIs, please collect it. Jazakumullahu khairan. You wrote your name on it, right? Good. Let me also collect it, it'll be faster. Okay. You know, in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ As for the blessing of your Lord, حَدِّثْ Talk about it. Mention it. That I am grateful for this blessing. Why? Because it makes you grateful. It forces you to be grateful. Because these blessings, we already have them. And in the back of our minds, yes, we are happy about them. But when we say it, when we write it, then we mean it. So writing about your blessings helps you become grateful. It helps you become grateful. Alright. Done? I want everybody to give something now. Don't take it home. Okay? One of the sisters, she mentioned gratitude journal. Hmm? that every day you write about a few things that you are grateful for. I want you to try it. Try it for like five days in a row. And it will really help you look at your life, the people around you, in a different way. It will change your perspective.